Welcome to the Chicago Symphony Orchestra Virtual Pre-Concert. Hello, this is Carl Grapentine, formerly of WFMT Radio in Chicago, and I am happy and honored to be bringing you these pre-concert lectures for the second weekend of concerts of this new season. And I have plenty of time because there are only two compositions on this concert. You might say there's no appetizer on this concert, no overture, no new piece, just two main dishes, two classic works by Johannes Brahms and Ludwig von Beethoven. First, the Brahms Violin Concerto with soloist Leonidas Gavakos, and then Beethoven's Symphony No. 7, both led by music director Ricardo Muti. The last time I gave a pre-concert talk was February of 2020, more than a year and a half ago, and it was mostly Beethoven, part of the ongoing Beethoven 250th birthday celebration, so it's nice to pick up where we left off. First, the Brahms Violin Concerto. Johannes Brahms was one of the last of the great romantics, but very oriented toward the earlier classical era. His idols were Bach and Beethoven. He was born in 1833 in Hamburg, had a very difficult childhood. At the age of 20, he met the Hungarian violin virtuoso and composer Josef Joachim, who will play an important part in this story. Joachim was so impressed with the young pianist and composer, he introduced him to Franz Liszt and to Robert Schumann. Brahms later was taken under the wing of Robert Schumann and remained close to Clara Schumann after Robert's early death. As his popularity grew, he was seen by many as the successor to Beethoven, and for many years Brahms avoided writing a symphony because of the weight of those great expectations placed upon him. When he finally wrote his first symphony at the age of 43, it was hailed by one famous critic as Beethoven's Tenth. Brahms actually heard Joachim play violin when he, Brahms, was only 14 years old. Then they met and became friends six years later. And yet the violin concerto didn't come until decades later. Brahms himself was not much of a violinist. That's where Josef Joachim comes in. For almost half a century, Joachim was considered the world's greatest violinist. He served as a consultant while Brahms was composing the concerto. Schumann and Dvorak also wrote violin works for Joachim to play. The Brahms Concerto was composed in 1878. That's two years after Brahms finally wrote that first symphony and about the time of his second symphony. The premiere was in Leipzig, New Year's Day, 1879. Joachim played the solo part and Brahms conducted the orchestra. And the concerto is dedicated to Joachim. 
By the way, Joachim also played the Beethoven Violin Concerto on the first half of that concert. The Brahms Concerto is in the standard three-movement form, fast, slow, fast, with the first movement being by far the longest. At one point, Brahms was considering including a scherzo movement, making it a four-movement concerto. The opening of the concerto is calm and rich and resonant, typical romantic Brahms. time the violin comes in a few minutes into the first movement, things have gotten much more dramatic. By the way, this recording is by violinist Maxim Vengerov with the Chicago Symphony, Daniel Barenboim, conducting. On to the second movement. It begins with one of the most beautiful oboe solos in the orchestral repertory. As a matter of fact, another famous violinist, Pablo de Sarasate, is said to have rejected playing the new Brahms concerto because he didn't want to stand there and do nothing while the oboist took center stage. Would I stand there, violin in hand, and listen to the oboe playing the only tune in the adagio? Here is the opening with that beautiful oboe solo. This is the same recording, so the oboe soloist is Alex Klein.
Finally, the violin does have something to do, and it starts by playing that very same theme. The third movement, the finale, is fiery and dramatic. Some say it has sort of a gypsy flavor to it, which may have been a salute to Josef Joachim's Hungarian birth. Our soloist in these concerts is Leonidas Kavankos. He was born in Greece in 1967. He'll be 54 in about a month. He has won the Sibelius and the Paganini and the Naumburg competitions. He often performs as part of a trio with pianist Emmanuel Axe and cellist Yo-Yo Ma, and he's also been doing some conducting. And now on to the second half of the program, Ludwig von Beethoven's Symphony No. 7. Beethoven's Seventh was composed between 1811 and 1812, so he was around 41 years old. He wrote it while spending time at a bohemian spa town, the town of Teplitz, and the symphony was dedicated to Count Moritz von Fries. Beethoven was already dealing with losing his hearing at this point, but it was still a few more years until he gave up on verbal communications and resorted to written conversation books. The premiere of the symphony took place in Vienna with Beethoven conducting. It was December 8, 1813, at a charity concert for wounded soldiers. The concert included Beethoven's patriotic work, Wellington's Victory, which celebrated the English victory over Napoleon. The premiere was very well received. 
The audience even asked for an encore after the second movement. And Beethoven remarked that it was one of his best works. Some of Beethoven's influential friends were able to schedule another concert of the Seventh Symphony a week or so later, and that significantly helped Beethoven's financial condition. One more note about that first performance. The orchestra that night included at least four players who were famous composers. Louis Spohr, Johann Nepomuk Hummel, Giacomo Meyerbeer, and Antonio Salieri. Plus, the famous guitarist and composer Mauro Giuliani played in the cello section. Many years later, Richard Wagner, referring to the liveliness of this symphony, called it the apotheosis of the dance. And Wagner once performed an interpretive dance to the second movement, accompanied on the piano by his house guest, Franz Liszt. I would love to have seen that. I think the aspect most often cited about Beethoven's seventh is the vitality of the rhythm, the rhythmic drive, not the melodies, not even the development. There are moments with no melody at all, just a repetition of a single pitch, as we'll hear in a little bit. The first movement opens with the longest slow intro of any Beethoven symphony. You'll hear chords from the full orchestra and then woodwind melodies in between. This recording was made back in the 1980s when Ricardo Muti was music director of the Philadelphia Orchestra. makes the transition from the intro to the main vivace section, he does it with one of those repeated note sequences. Listen to how he teases us with that single note before finally taking off into the fast section. Thank you. 
and now the famous second movement, the one that had to be repeated at the premiere and the one that Wagner danced to. It begins with a chord that sounds a little uncertain, not sure where it's going, and then begins the main theme, which once again is more distinctive for its rhythm than its melody. The chord is A minor, and then the theme begins on the note E, and that E repeats 12 times before it ever moves to another note. Listen. But that one-note theme grows and grows in complexity and grows in intensity until it becomes overpowering. There is a second theme that brightens the mood a bit. Listen for the clarinet solo that introduces that. But eventually the movement ends with the same chord with which it began, and then it just dies away. And now the third movement a fast scherzo that brings out the dance aspect even more. The mood is bright and energetic. Then comes a contrasting section of very long, sustained notes, the complete opposite of that lively theme that bounces all around. Here's what that section sounds like.
So then we come to the fourth movement, the exciting finale, again driven by rhythmic energy. That energy begins right away, driven by the heavy accents on the offbeats. Listen to the opening. some climaxes and some changes to the orchestral texture, mostly given to the horn section, but the energy and the drive never stop. And then the final pages are just a whirlwind of sound. Again, that was the Philadelphia Orchestra, led by Ricardo Muti, almost 40 years ago. I hope you're looking forward to some large helpings of Brahms and Beethoven, led by Ricardo Muti. Thank you very much for listening, and enjoy the concert.